This is Decision Point, Age into New Norms, a long-term care podcast from Horn Healthcare. I'm Barry Plunkett with Horn. In our last episode, we talked about best practices to secure your network. If you listen to that podcast, you may have in your mind checked off every best practice we suggested. And that left us wondering how many people have a false sense of security, which led us to today's episode, where we will talk about the mysterious cyber world. And most importantly, we want you to be aware of those mysteries so you can further strengthen your facility's secure posture. Today, our guest is Brad Pierce. Brad is a director of network security for Horn Cyber. And one aspect of Brad's role as Director of Network Security is to manage Horn Cyber's Cybersecurity Operations Center, where he, along with a team of cyber analysts, monitors live network traffic for clients in search of active threats. Brad also creates information security awareness program for clients and guides clients on how to best address cyber risk and remediate organization-specific vulnerabilities. Brad, it's great to have you with us on the podcast. Thank you, Barry. It's great to be here. Cybersecurity is one of those things we hear a lot about these days. And unfortunately, we read or hear frequently something in the news about how another big organization has had a breach in their IT system. And yet many companies seem to have the false sense of security and say, that can't happen to me. Companies usually have made a huge investment in their information technology systems, and many times they feel that investment guarantees security. How safe is that assumption, Brad? That's that's a great question, Barry. And, and you know, quite frankly, um, you know, that we're we're seeing an increase in cyber spend, uh, technology spend, uh, based off of the the threat landscape currently. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's very important to make those investments um, and to have, you know, trusted advisors uh, in that realm of the hardware and software, uh, you know, portion of the business and making sure that you're securing um, and, you know, using industry standard best practices, hardware and software and things of that nature. Um, I think, you know, a lot of times it, a lot of organizations, uh, they lose steam after the investments made, right? So the systems are purchased, they're implemented, they're in place. Um, but what a lot of people fail to realize is that it's, you know, cybersecurity is a marathon. There's, there's no sprint, uh, there's no win the race. Um, it's, you know, long and steady. So, um, you know, there's that initial investment, but then there's the overhead that it requires to maintain those systems, keep those systems in check and make sure that they're tuned to continue to do what they were originally intended to do. Um, a lot of times what we see is a, a very good investment made in a technology that, uh, you know, helps protect an organization, um, but that technology can, you know, fall to the wayside over time uh, and ultimately can end up being the vulnerability that allows an attacker uh, to, to get into the system or uh, if they happen to get into that particular uh, piece of hardware software, it may hold what we call keys to the kingdom. So, um, you know, it's, it's really, it's the investment that's important, but the sense of security comes after the fact of maintaining that investment and testing that investment uh, to make sure that it does in fact 
meet the needs and uh, serve its function properly. Well, can you tell me how subject to ransomware attacks is the average mid to large company? You know, I really feel like there, there's really no, um, there's really no spot that that you could be in that would make you more susceptible or less susceptible. the The issue here is that you know the 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 people that use ransomware, you know, range from very well organized cybercrime units to uh, to you know just one off hackers that can rent uh, ransomware as a service on a server on the dark web and launch a campaign. Um, and so you know it, it's it's really a dragnet. Now we recently recently saw in the news with the Colonial Pipeline, um, you know, that obviously uh, had some had some direct uh, target there. Um, we, we hear constantly of healthcare providers uh, in the United States and overseas that are, uh, you know, getting hit with ransomware. And, and, you know, and a lot of times what we see is there, there can be this very targeted request for ransom uh, a very large amount because the attackers know what they have. Um, we've often seen um, we've we've helped clients that that got hit with ransomware um, that were that had the money, right? I mean, you know, they had the money and the overhead to pay the ransom if so needed, um, and the attacker basically requested pennies compared to what this company was capable of producing monetarily. Uh, and then, you know, on the same side of that, maybe you know, just a small dental office that gets millions of dollars, you know, ransom requests. So it, it really shows that there's, there is somewhat of an organized approach, unorganized approach to this, if you will. Um, and in that, you know, a very small business can get caught up in this uh, very easily in what I would call a dragnet operation, right? And so a campaign gets launched, or, a, a, you know, to a giant list of email addresses, and it may encompass 15 or 20 or 30 different organizations. Um, or you could have that very targeted approach to where, um, you know, it's a critical infrastructure, government entity, healthcare facility uh, that they know will demand some resolution, hopefully in the form of ransom on the bad actor's part. So there, you know, it, it's just important to keep in mind that you can get, you can get snagged in a dragnet ransomware campaign or, you know, you could be the target of a ransomware campaign. But either way, you know, there's nothing really that limits you um, of, of, you know, or, or exempts you from being a target. I guess that's a, a bit of good news, bad news, supposedly. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Earlier, you mentioned the term trust and verify. Who is qualified to do this kind of verification? So, you know, I, I really think that there's a, the market has a lot of great uh, companies out there that focus on um, the hardware and software aspect of cybersecurity, the monitoring, uh, the, you know, the technical detail, the technical pieces of that. Um, but then there's also, you know, uh, the types of firms like Horn Cyber and other firms that employ uh technologists that are computer scientists that have software development skills that understand the underlying infrastructure of a network and underlying infrastructure or code of an application. And they're able to, uh, they have a knack for finding the vulnerabilities in those systems, right? So these aren't people that are procuring the systems and implementing them 
and then managing them. These are people that probably have very little contact with the business process in general, but they're so well-versed in the architecture of hardware and the architecture of software that they're actually able to figure out ways to undermine and change the purpose of what that piece of hardware software might do. Um, you know, and furthermore, look for vulnerabilities in those platforms that otherwise just, you know, aren't detectable without that manual inspection. Um, so really when it comes to, uh, you know, the, the, the testing and the trust but verify aspect, um, you're, you're really looking for, you know, an organization that has a good reputation. It doesn't have to be the largest, uh, you know, you know, pen testing organization or cybersecurity firm out there, but, you know, they, a lot goes with reputation. And so if you're, if you're in the market for that type of service, I would say one of the things you need to do is make sure that, you know, your, the vendor that you're, is going to propose to you is able to provide references uh, that you can reach out to and ask questions about the, the experience that another organization has had. Um, I think that's a real important aspect of it. And I think that that verification goes a long way. You know, asking questions around the methodology and process of how they do things. Um, there's a huge misconception, or there has been in the past. I think it's becoming more apparent. But um, for a while, we dealt with the difference between a vulnerability scan and an actual penetration test. Um, and so we had a lot of a lot of cyber firms and you know out there saying, "Hey, you know, we're doing a penetration test when they were in fact just running a vulnerability scan." Um, and so, you know, asking questions around the methodology between automated versus a human-based approach is very important. Um, so not to say that the automated piece isn't important because it is, it just, it serves a particular function uh, in the security stack. And that being around verification that the operating systems and the hardware and software that you're using is in fact up to date to match all the publicly disclosed vulnerabilities, right? So that that gets you in the spot to where you're you're kind of, you're even keel. If there's a vulnerability has been discovered, an exploit has been developed for it, and then the the vendor has patched it, then that gives you that determination of are my systems you know up to snuff, if you will, with the industry standard and the publicly disclosed vulnerabilities. Whereas the the human factor really comes to play with that manual testing, and so. Uh, a team of people look at an individual organization as if they were, you know, actual hackers and they, you know, they were going to approach this network and see what they could do. Um, could they, in fact, get in? And so that requires that manual human-based approach of looking for vulnerabilities um, that may otherwise not be publicly disclosed and what we call commonly as zero-day vulnerabilities. Uh, and those are or those are normally organization specific vulnerabilities that likely only exist in your environment. And so I think that's that's one of the things where, you know, people kind of miss the mark is that, you know, they operate on that publicly disclosed vulnerability piece. But in fact, there are, you know, millions of other vulnerabilities that exist right now that aren't vulnerabilities because they haven't been discovered, but they're there. Um, and so taking that human based approach on the trust but verifies basically saying, hey, we, we acknowledge that we put these systems in. Now we want to have proofreaders come through and check our work and it not be us. You don't want to you know, read your own paper and find the, the typos, right? Right. Well, I'm sure that a lot of our listeners are probably thinking now, 
this is probably just a, a good way to get into our system, then try to sell us a lot of software or hardware upgrades. So what kind of products do you sell? So at Horn Cyber, uh, we're, we're more in the service business, quite frankly. And so, um, you know, we don't, we don't sell hardware um, or, or software, for that matter, uh, to resolve any uh, vulnerabilities that we might discover in someone's network. Now, we obviously spend a lot of time with remediation recommendations and conversation around what we found and what, what that organization can do to strengthen their posture based on that. Um, and, and I would really say that uh, just in general, you know, having come from an IT background and managed uh, uh, fairly large networks and, and uh, IT operations, one, one thing that I took to pretty quickly was that, you know, I bought my hardware and software from vendors, but then I kept a lot of my services separate because it just seemed a little odd to me that, you know, the guy that comes in and does the inspection of my network then turns around and says, okay, we found this, your firewall's out of date. Here's an invoice for a firewall. Let us know if you want to buy that through us, right? And so we've really worked at keeping those two things separate. Um, and so what we do is come to the table with actionable items, uh, actionable uh, findings that an organization, either their IT department can remedy or they can remedy with, uh, with their support contract and the vendor, if you will. So if we found a, you know, a, a vulnerability in a, a web application, as we often do, um, the, our, our client will take that back to the vendor, report that to them, and they'll open the ticket and work through that. So rarely do we have recommendations that require our clients to spend more money. Um, you know, I mean, we obviously would point out deficiencies, um, but it, it, more often than not, they're, they're, they're addressable uh, by the internal team. At Horn, we frequently use the word trusted advisor. So it certainly sounds like what you guys are. And I think your clients can certainly appreciate that bit of integrity too. Speaking of clients, who might be one of your typical clients? So it's a great question, Barry. I mean, it's really, it's exciting for me daily because I, I really work with, we work with so many different types of clients across so many different industries and really, really different sizes as well. I mean, some of our clients are as small as, you know, 50 desktops and um, a two or three servers, right? Uh, but they're, their, their business is, is, you know, critical to their employees and their clients. Um, a lot of these employee, or a lot of these organizations might house privileged or sensitive information as it pertains to the work that they do. So um, we, we really have the pleasure of working with, you know, different types of organizations across the board. Um, so, you know, I, I think that a lot of what we see and, and a lot of who we work with are organizations that either are just starting out on a cyber journey uh, and they need guidance. Um, we've got some, some middle of the road people that we've been working with for several years that we're just on the road of maturing their cyber posture. Um, and then, you know, we've got people that, we've got clients that reach out and say, hey, we're ready. We want you guys to test these systems. Uh, let us know when you're done. It's just another day at the office for them. So really across the board, we, we, we start journeys with, with, with organizations. We never, um, it never ends, right? So it's always a continual growth process, changing with the trends and the landscape. 
Um, so we're really, uh, we're really open to working with all sizes and, you know, all industries. Well, great. What do you hear from your clients after you've worked with them and they've had an experience with Horm Cyber? Is there sometime a bit of a shock factor after they learn about their vulnerabilities? Yes, there actually is. Um, at times, uh, you know, I think a lot of, you know, a lot of, I, I, I think I used the term the other day, I was explaining to someone and I said it was, it was almost like I was performing some magic tricks on this, on a, on a Zoom call with some clients after we completed their test, or actually we were in the middle of their test and we found an issue that was concerning and we wanted them to know about it. So we hopped on the Zoom, shared my screen, and I showed them how we found this in a particular web application that they had bought from a third party. And, you know, the, the response was, you know, it was like, whoa, no way. And so it was just, you know, they were super excited that we found it. I mean, I think they were super excited um, to, to know that, because really what it does is it puts the ball in their court and they're really the ones that resolve the issue, right? They take the ball, they run with it. So what it does for a lot of IT departments, it just solidifies, you know, their due diligence um, and how actionable they are uh, in their, in their, field in their lane. Um, I mean, these are healthy exercises. And so when you find a vulnerability and the clients, you know, excited that it's been found, they're, you know, scared that it was there to begin with. And their first question is, okay, how do we know no one else has seen this? Right. And so, um, and we usually, you know, have some questions and things to talk about there and some additional inspection that we could do around seeing if it had ever been leveraged. Uh, but yeah, so, it's always, we work hard to make it a learning experience, not only through our conversation, but even through the report. I mean, we build a document that is educational as well as useful and impactful. Brad, you've shared some insightful things for me and I know for our listeners. And I also think that you probably have created a list of questions for some of our listeners. So if one wanted to get in touch with you and to ask some questions, how did they contact Horn Cyber? Yeah, well, that would be that would be great if if someone had questions. Um, so you can reach us through our website at hornsyber.com. There's a contact us form there. Um, I also welcome emails uh, to brad.pierce at hornsyber.com. Um, and yeah, that's we spend a lot of our days just having conversations around cyber topics and sharing ideas and thoughts. So it's uh, that's always welcome for sure. And something that comes to mind for me, and maybe you can help make our listener feel a little better about it. Sometimes I think we feel we don't know enough to ask questions. And so uh, I'm sure you've heard them all. So there's no question too silly or too stupid. No, I absolutely. And, and that's the thing, right? I mean, you, you have to start somewhere. I, I, I wrote some blogs a couple of years ago, and, and it was really, I, I'd had a interesting experience with a couple of organizations and working with their, their C-level, the C-suite, right? And so I had, I had a CEO make the comment on a call one day. I was like, I'm just not technical enough for all that. And it just, I was like, wait a minute, you're the CEO of this company. It, that's not a valid excuse. I mean, you have to become some, you know, what, you know, level of competency here. And so we have those conversations all the time and just, you know, sticking our toes in the water with non-technical people say, hey, let's, you know, let's think about this. Let's break it down to where, you know, you understand at least the impact so that you can make an informed business decision. 
Uh, and a lot of times that's all it takes is just them to understand if something, if this, then what? And when we plug that what into the equation, they're like, okay, I get what you're saying. This makes sense to me now. So you have to start somewhere and there's just, there's really no question that's out of bounds when it comes to cybersecurity. Because quite frankly, I think most of the experts out there probably, including myself, most days may not know what's going on. I mean, we, you know, we, it's, it's a cat and mouse game between the bad guys and the good guys. And so um, it's just, you know, you're never going to run across anyone that knows everything about cybersecurity. Uh, and so I think that's, you know, it's good practice to ask those questions when you have the opportunity and just get as much knowledge as you can. Well, the cyber world is certainly an amazing place, and I'm glad we've got people like you to guide us through it. Thank you for being with us today, Brad. Thanks so much, Barry. And thank you to our listeners. And don't hesitate to give us a call or email us if you have questions or suggestions. During the production of this episode, we learned that the majority of business owners who have invested in their cybersecurity posture still have a false sense of security. While many investments are made to protect organizations from cyber threats, organizations are not following through with human-based penetration testing and vulnerability scanning on an ongoing basis. Quick tip, taking a trust but verify approach with your IT infrastructure can help ensure that systems are working to protect your organization. If you have not considered a third party to test your systems, you should. Thank you for listening to Decision Point, Age into New Norms, a podcast from Horn Healthcare. Decision Point is produced by Horn LLP. Stay tuned for more episodes coming soon on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and Spotify. To learn more about Horn, visit hornllp.com. Dot com.